Hey, welcome to this episode of Hollywood Breaks. It's good to be with you on this Friday morning. Keith and I are discussing this amazing revolution taking place where something called an NFT is getting better numbers over a weekend than the film releases from Hollywood. Clearly another sign that the blockbuster era has finished and something new is coming. And we can see that play over and over again, week after week in these conversations. Um, specifically this week, we know that Top Gun is pushing their release date again for six more months. And Riot Games is doing something with a Netflix executive. So with these movements and shifts that are taking place, we're always curious on what's going on in Hollywood. And that's what we discussed today on Hollywood Breaks. It's good to be with you. Welcome to Hollywood Breaks. So I was in a meeting earlier this week with uh, a group from a company called We Knew. They're uh, into the NFT space. The, the people's one of the owners of that thing in the NFT space. Yeah. Um, we were processing um, the OpenSea platform, just what OpenSea as a platform is doing, selling in, as an exchange for NFTs. And there is a, um, a group called the Board Ape Yacht Club. And <laughs> last weekend, the Board Ape Yacht Club released this thing called Mutant Apes. Um, and in four hours, the mutinates sold out $90 million. And I thought to myself, that's a blockbuster. Dang. Four <laughs> hours at $90 million is what we're used to seeing Hollywood movies doing yes. in a short amount right. of time. And this NFT space has taken over that blockbuster moment. I mean, if there were, mm -hmm. you know, if they were doing releases for four weeks, we would see numbers at the level of Titanic, right? Like it would be very easy right. to uh, to get there. The slow build and people going back to see it over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously there's not a not necessarily a comparison of watching a film or a TV show, but there's something to recognize. There's a new player in the marketplace and there are things that are growing and changing. Mm -hmm. And NFTs allow for a totally different user experience. Artists are releasing NFTs as part of their, you know, music artists releasing, releasing NFTs as part of their promotion packages. Brands are doing this or at least consider doing this. Um, but it's, it, it's so, it's such a fast moving thing that seems to have come out of nowhere, which it hasn't been around for about four years now. Um, but what an interesting kind of shift happening in our, in our industry right now of like what, can be seen as um, disposable income and an entertainment for an entertainment form. Oh, he, you know, yeah. Seth Curry, by the way, bought one of these board apes for one hundred eighty thousand dollars. Was what he bought his for. So there's something happening there. I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah, I. I mean, I still don't quite understand it. I mean, I bought that Andy Murray NFT not too long ago, and I still don't know how to process the thing. You're going to have to give me a tutorial on that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it is fascinating. It, 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 and I think that's what's so interesting about the era in which we're currently living is how things are shifting as much as they are. And, I, you know, we talked a little bit about this last week, the CinemaCon of it all and sort of the rose-colored glasses in terms of theatrical experience and how you know, everybody wants to go to the movies. And... I've been having a couple of conversations just, you know, when I, I came back, you know, I've been seeing neighbors and friends and they all know what I do. So they all always ask me, what's the latest from Hollywood? And, you know, it's interesting because we have another Marvel movie coming out, Shang-Chi, Mystery of the Ten Rings, I think is what it's called or something like that. Um, and I've asked, I, and I did a little formal, informal survey 
kind of a man of the street, man of the people, heard on the street type survey. And I got to tell you, a lot of people just are not feeling it. And I mean, granted, you can't take this as any sort of like correct sample of the public at large, but I do think for Marvel and for the industry in general, because they've all kind of hung their hats on Marvel as the future of the industry, there seems to be a weariness starting to set in in terms of how the story is told. It's the kind of the same thing. It doesn't matter if you switch out the characters. It's still good guy versus bad guy. Good guy wins at the end. And I think even the idea of the broader story being told across several films is still not necessarily enough to drag people in. And then I was talking to somebody else about Loki and he told me, he's like, I couldn't finish it. Like, I just, I, I just got bored and I'm just like, but then you, you read the trades and everyone's like, Loki is a hit and everybody wants to. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I'm just not seeing that. And then you could. It's like, it's dropped out of the zeitgeist a little bit, hasn't it? Like there's a, yes. there's definitely like a, like there, without a doubt, there's some fatigue. It feels like it's set in, but I also feel yeah. like it's just simply now commoditized. I, I feel the same yeah. way about this Star Wars stuff right. as like the latest season of Mandalorian. I, I don't, I mean, I don't even know one. I don't know if there is a latest season of Mandalorian, let alone would I invest time into it because it's a slow progressive idea. There is a second season. Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. But it's yeah. a slow progressing idea of something where at first it was kind of cool, but it, you know, the, the theatrical experience has a beginning, middle and end in in, you know, two hours, let's say. And mm -hmm. to spread out one act over one season, which is what Mandalorian seems to do, which is like what would have been a four minute scene is a whole episode. <laughs> um, they've commoditized these amazing assets that they, that they've had into a space where, yeah, you can easily understand there's some burnout of really how deep can I get into Loki's life? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that speaks more to you. What you're talking about sort of the NFT idea is like, there's sort of a revolution sort of happening on what people value in terms of their entertainment choices and what they feel like they need to be a part of, to be a part of the zeitgeist, a part of the culture. And I do feel like the theater sort of the entertainment and Hollywood in general has started to lose its grip on that. And I think this sort of, and you could already see it in sort of some of the trades and on deadline and whatnot, they're already tempering expectations on Shang-Chi. Like they were, they had a headline like yesterday saying, Oh, $90 million global bow. Well, black widow made that just domestically almost. So yeah. it's like, they're already setting like, Oh, we're not going to get to that. Oh, we're going to beat Halloween, which has the labor day record at 30 million, but we might not get to 80 million. So they're already trying to temper the expectations. Cause I think the tracking is telling them, this movie is not popping and people are not like amped to see it. And, you know, I don't, again, it's sort of this whole, the pandemic is still sort of tossed, you know, upending things. And, but at the same time, I do feel like there's a shift that's happening. But for most of us, it's not really right. I mean, for most of us in the pandemic, it is, we've become accustomed. Like I, I feel like I rarely walk into somewhere now where that, initial question of what are the rules of engagement? How does it work? I feel like we've absorbed, you know, the, 
the pandemic life, let's say, into all of our assessments and understanding and release or whatever. I don't think there's any more surprises coming. Even if there are some additional shutdowns, it's there. To me, there's just some some recognition of when the OTT platforms release all the major hits, you know, in perpetuity, in by infinity on my at my on my television set, then the rules of engagement of I can wait for it to be on HBO Max or I can go into the theater, it becomes an easier choice. Mm-hmm. I can watch, you know, in my Uber, I can uh, consume a movie. <laughs> So why am I, why am I putting the, but is it a movie if you watch it in your Uber? (laughs) That's the bigger question. As a matter of fact, Uber should be, Uber should start an OTT platform and they should be reaching releasing films in their Uber. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, But there is now this great disruption that's happening. And I get that NFTs right now feel somewhat disconnected, but so did 8-bit websites in 1997, Mm -hmm. right? Like we're not even touching that. But something that's non-fungible instead of something that's fungible creates a t- totally different aspect to an entertainment segment, especially when when some there are benefits to being part of that club and ownership mm-hmm. of, of a piece of it and entering the zeitgeist in such a way. But yeah, William Morris, CAA, like those agents are talking about NFTs. So you know that there's artists out there that own something that's unique, and then they can sell that unique opportunity mm-hmm. to to an audience member or followers, that's pretty incredible. And really you can get into blockbuster type numbers and, and artist returns in such a short time that were the artists going to start asking question, why would I go make a film for nine months <laughs> when I could do something yeah. in a totally different art space in mm-hmm. seven hours or just re-release something that I had before and sell the unique quality of it. Um, wrapped in a in you know a crypto contract. Well, yeah, and I, I think this goes to what we talked about with Hello Sunshine. I think that's it. Yeah, Reese Witherspoon's company and sort of the idea and what her and Ryan Reynolds are starting to do, sort of like branch out beyond just being a movie star and being a commodity in and of themselves and taking advantage of the brand that they've established over the years and using that to their benefit. And so obviously an NFT. Is definitely a way to continue to do that and uh, you know it's just for me it's like again it's just another thing that's sort of assaulting the idea of what a movie is and what entertainment is and uh, you know i again i i just say that there needs to be some sort of revolution in sort of the industry and how it's done things and how do you know how promotion of films is handled and how the theatrical experience is handled and i think this is just another example of Listen, you guys have got to start doing things a little differently if you're, and it's not just, you know, the day and date thing was new for about six months and now, okay, great. What's next? What are you going to do next? Like what, what's the, what's the next big thing? Cause you got to really figure this out because if you, once everything, once the COVID becomes endemic, which is basically, it's just something we live with. It's just like the flu it's around. We just have to learn to live with it. People aren't going to be rushing back to theaters unless you give them a reason to. And the films are not going to be enough, especially when we're approaching almost two years in this pandemic, where every habit that we've known pre-pandemic has been completely upended. But don't you think that's so, so I, I think that, don't you think that that's what a riot might be doing with, um, uh, I can't remember who it is, but the Ryan executive, 
Yeah, from from yes. Netflix. Yeah. Um, but what's his name? Brian Wright. Brian Wright. So uh, I can see Riot Games doing that. There's also like a Katy Perry um, concert inside of Fortnite. Like I think there are things that we, as again, like the blockbuster generation, we had one way of understanding and consuming something. And the, now there's a shift. And in a way, we're com- trying to compare ho- Hollywood of old, which has now gone away, into uh, the opportunity mm-hmm. of what's new. Um, right. And that's where Hollywood is breaking, or a place you can break into Hollywood is on these new way of thinking. I mean, Riot Games getting into, into entertainment space is pretty awesome. Well, I mean, uh, listen, like if you look at like Riot Games, okay, yes, they hired a network exec. Well, not network, but Brian Wright from Netflix. I mean, the it really is just monetizing Riot's IP. That's really, you know, is that what he's going to do? Or is he going to really try to bring a revolutionary way of telling a story in a way that sort of engages people again? Is it, yeah, like you said, is there going to be like a Katy Parent camp concert in, you know, in a Fortnite game? Or is there going to be something more involved than that? I mean, I don't know. Like you look at what, you know, we had Sean Heron on not too long ago talking Gearbox and Lionsgate is handling all that production. They're just making the movie. Now it seems like given the caliber of talent, they're doing it right by, you know, telling the right story and making sure that it's honored to the property. But I think we're starting to move into a phase where there needs to, they need to figure out a way to do more than just monetize the IP, just make a TV show or make a movie out of whatever game happens to be there. And listen, for all Netflix you know, talk about revolutionizing. All Netflix really did was change the distribution model. That's all they really did. They were still doing the same old production models and shooting. I mean, yes, there were less sort of executive involvement for a while. Now there is more executive involvement. So it's basically just another entertainment company that just is just a complete distribu- different distribution model. So with Brian going over to Riot, though, does that mean he's actually going to do something different? Or is he just going to basically be like, okay, uh, let's take Fortnite and make this into an eight-part series I can sell to Netflix for X number of dollars versus looking at a way that revolutionizing a way of entertaining people. I think you're right in that are we what is entertainment and what's going to be relevant entertainment? And there is something of like, do we just go what Mortal Kombat did you know 20 years ago and make a film with the characters? Or you know, six like, months ago. <laughs> yeah, or six months ago even. Uh, right. Wait, I'm not different. Do we throw Pokemon into a film with uh, Brian Reynolds, Lloyd. Oh, was it Ryan Reynolds? I can't remember who it was. Yeah. Are you serious, Ryan Reynolds again? Yeah, Ryan Dude. Reynolds. Yeah, yeah. I can't escape like, him. <laughs> or is there are they evolving entertainment in a different space? Because I would argue that Netflix didn't just change the distribution; they went basically entertainment as a subscription. Right? They 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 put the HBO model on steroids. Right. Um, and they made it and they did it and they did introduce binging. So yes, you're right. They did alter the entertainment experience in some way. That's true. Yeah. So then the vault, the evolution from binging a bunch of Netflix shows or being on, you know, league of legends for 12 hours on the same day, that entertainment habit is, has already been established of how many hours of consumption you're going to do to be able to move that to a video game platform and even recognizing within the video game platform, there might be other ways of distributing entertainment, NFTs, whatever is going to be inside there to start moving the audience um, over into that, that space. I'd say that's the end of, that's the end of the theater. I mean, here's, you know, Top Gun keeps getting pushed every 
every six months it gets pushed six months. At some so, point, they're going to push themselves way beyond the possible return of it because every six months they wait is another six months of people breaking the habit of going to the theater. And yes. I feel like they keep saying, well, somebody else solved the theater problem so that we can get the money from it instead of stepping up and maybe saying we are, you know, like we are the solution to get people back into the theater. So let's let us, let our film be the beginning of that trend. They're wanting to hide behind someone else's trend um, or just at least wait till someone else can prove it's legit. Most likely so that Tom Cruise doesn't sue them for not doing it right. Well, having worked on a couple, well, one Tom Cruise movie in particular, I can tell you he's heavily involved in all aspects from the minute from script development until cameras roll until the movie is literally in the theater. He's involved in every aspect. So they couldn't make this. Yeah. He's in a trailer park with us. He's editing the trailer with, with yeah, us. They wouldn't, they wouldn't make this move unless he was hundred percent behind it. And I think it's largely because there's still a lot of um, international um, uh, countries that are not really open yet, or there's lockdowns happening like Australia and, you know, he's popular overseas and obviously Paramount doesn't want to cut themselves off at the knees. They want to, you know, have the broadest audience possible and they just don't see that happening in November. Um, particularly as the, as the winter months get colder in the Northeast, people go retreat inside. There's obviously a chance of spiking cases, yada, yada, yada. So, you know, I think that obviously factored into the decision, but I think you're right. I think it, it needs to be more than just, Hey, here's our movie. Come see it. Like there needs to be more to it. Now there's no better promoter for his films than Tom Cruise. Although I'd argue of course, yeah. Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds is up there <laughs> for sure. Especially all the work he did for free guy. Dwayne Johnson's pretty amazing. At that. so Dwayne like, Johnson's pretty yeah, great at it. The movie stars um, know how to make, how to get people. Yeah. They know how to, and they know how to make the buzz and all that kind of stuff. And I think, He's going to do a really good job of that, but there needs to be, I don't, I, I mean, I, I feel like I'm a broken record because I keep saying this and I don't yeah. know if anyone's going to listen to me, but it, you know, there needs to be some sort of revolution here, or we're literally going to be an industry that's sort of on a, a perpetual decline in, in five to 10 years, we could literally be the music industry with like three or four big labels and you know, movie like things being released here and there, here, there, and there, but nobody really pays that much attention. Well, I to guess it. what I'm arguing is is that we already are something different. Like, like I almost don't want to say, you know, let's fix what's broken. I want to be able to say because it's broken, there's opportunity, right? This is yeah, this is what this That's whole show is about. This is why right. Hollywood breaks exist, yeah. is that we recognize that something's broken, you know, and there's something to break into. Um, and that comparison that we have of what's coming is such a great opportunity if we can get over the idea that we're supposed to recreate the blockbuster moment. Um, and that's why I'm, I'm criticizing this move by Top Gun. It's, it's, they're almost imagining it's going to get better. And <laughs> we're trying to say, like, Paramount, listen to us. Listen very clearly. If you're a Paramount, listen to us. It's not going to get better. It's over. So finish the job sooner than later and move on instead of holding on to something for two extra years. That ridiculous cup I showed you just a couple episodes ago that basically was saying, you know, release summer 2020 
I mean, now we're talking 2022. That's absolutely stupid. Like it's really yeah. getting to the point where it's stupid. And because the reality is like, I'm going, you're going, but like, it doesn't, it's not going to change if we're going or not. And I'm already, are you saying we're going to get a couple more, like who, who is not going today that will show up again next May? That's true. Is it the... Well, again, like I said, it, 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 there's also the calculus of international and some of those countries are still not fully reopened. And I, some part of me understands that, but at the same time, I, there is an aspect of what you said that is spot on. It's like, it's not going to get better. And you could see that I think there is a sense in the industry that they know it isn't going to get better, which is why they're spinning numbers that would have been sh- shit six, even 18 months ago and a joke into hits. Like we just talked about last week with free guy. Yeah. Looking at that, those numbers and the production budget and the P and a that was involved in that. And to say like a $30 million opening weekend, they're going to recover there. They're going to make money on that movie. Maybe, but it's not enough to sustain the studio for a foreseeable future. And it's like, you know, announcing that jungle cruise is going to get a sequel. It's like, what, what? Like, (laughs) Is there anyone banging for that? I mean, really? But yeah. it's just like, it, 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 it just, it goes to show that they're trying to force it back to the way it was and, you know, say like, oh, you know, it's, it's just because it's just because of COVID. Once we get through COVID, everyone will go back to the theaters and everything will be normal again. What they're forgetting is if we go back to like sort of the Spanish flu pandemic, right? And the, the roaring 20s, you know, hit after that. And everyone was partying. It was great. La, la, la. But everything changed. Society shifted significantly after that. And that, frankly, that's when theaters really blew up. I was going to say, that's when the evolution of films even started. You wouldn't have it without the the Roaring Twenties. And people wanted to pay a nickel for entertainment because they couldn't afford anything else. They would scrounge something together and go do something. They escaped. Right. Yeah. And and it's it's the idea that they think everything's just going to go back to normal. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think normal is gone and you have to look for new ways on how this is going to work. And like I said, the streamers are like, okay, they're the next hot thing, but that's like, that's six months ago. What's next? Like, I yeah. think the, there needs to be a lot of more revolutionary thinking. And this goes to, again, to sort of the, I like that idea revolution thinking. There should be a lot of revolution thinking. <laughs> um, and it just goes to the idea of the, boomer generation and the same six people have been running Hollywood for 30 years, not letting go of the wheel and just holding on for dear life. And, you know, listen, I, I, you know, they, they all get paid a lot of money and they like their jobs. So they're, but the idea is, you know what, when you get a job like that, the role is not just to hold on to the job. The role is to make sure that there's an industry left when you walk away. And so it, I don't think a lot of them are thinking that way. I think right now they're just like, I just want to keep my job. So I, I used this example last week because um, we were talking about in in our weekly uh, podcast or I think we were talking about the evolution of your career. And at a point in your career, you recognize like it's time to basically graduate, like go of one stage and move on to the next stage. Um, and Joel asked me the question, you know, don't you think people... St- struggle with that when they get started. And I told kind of the example of you and I, of uh, the, in the Hollywood, we wanted to be part, be part of like when we signed up and said like, I want to be part of Hollywood. 
it was already gone before we even showed up. You know, like it was, it had evolved past any great television shows or films that we were part of. It it had evolved into something else. Now it was, it's been an amazing ride, and I'm glad to be part of it. But it's definitely not the the Hollywood scene I thought I was going to be part of um, right. when I got started. I almost want the listeners of this podcast to recognize that's what we're saying here is please enter into this space being part of that revolution and not kind of like erase what you thought success looked like before, before this moment. And there's a lot of opportunity. I think if you can acknowledge that to see where the money is shifting, mm-hmm. you know, where we started start our episode today it really is just so profound in that blockbuster film numbers are happening on a platform that no one's even heard of. Like, you know, there are, two and a half generations that don't even know how to spell NFT. So like to get to the point to understand what, what the heck it's doing, let alone right. recognize where it's going to revolutionize the entertainment industry. It's just way beyond their comprehension right now. And that just means that there's a disruption opportunity to take part of. And, and even Netflix, you know, Netflix basically changed the model of distribution of old film blockbusters but they're not going to evolve into whatever this new space is going to be. That's the, that's huge. I think that's such a fun and exciting uh, revolution to be part of, but that's the studios. Like you and I are watching what wall street seems to hold back. I think also is that we're, it's the confidence of what any of these business plans are and wall street kind of infuses a certain amount of capital retain some earnings and some power in a few people's pockets. And that's the frustration that we often also voice is these studio heads. What are they doing? (laughs) Like, are they just getting in our way? Where's the 30 year old studio executive of, of the, of the the past? Yeah. I mean, uh, we've talked about Irv Thalberg and how, you know, he's 26 year old, 26 years old. when we took over Columbia pictures. Like, can you imagine that today? Like most of them are in their fifties. Not that there's anything wrong with having like someone who's got experience, but it just, to your point about people going into the industry and looking for ways to change and revolutionize it, that's not how it's set up. The industry is set up where you go in. It's not rewarded that way. Yeah. No, it's very much a sort of apprenticeship type business where you start at the bottom, you learn how things are done. And you just do them that way. And that's how you rise through the ranks. And that's just the way it's always, it's kind of, it was really revolutionary back in sort of the thirties and forties and fifties, because there were no rules. And it was just sort of like, well, we're just making this up as we go along. Hence how you end up with a 26 year old head of production. But now it's become sort of so stagnant. And, you know, you talk about Netflix being sort of this revolutionary in the distribution, but they they also just hired a bunch of studio people. Yeah, like my entire coworkers from Fox basically went over to Netflix. I mean, that's essentially what it is, and they were all trained in sort of that. This is how we do things in this world, and now it's like this is how we're gonna keep doing things. And it's just, I don't know if the revolution. It's gonna take someone to walk in there with a giant sledgehammer, who's got some some backing of some sort, and just like take a, you know. A hammer to it all you know daily wire yeah. is trying to do something similar you know obviously by releasing it just to their members which is similar to a netflix model they're looking for you know stories that hollywood in general is just like i don't want to tell that one so that's at least something different 
but I think there's still more to come and hopefully there'll be more daily wires that pop up to sort of challenge this idea of this is how we do things kind of a, you know, mentality that's sort of dominated for so long. Yeah. And I think you're definitely right. The mentality needs to shift. I also just think that, you know, a generation from now, Netflix, the behemoth will like, I feel like HBO was a behemoth and we barely, I mean, it's not, doesn't have the footprint it has had back then. And Netflix is going to feel the same way. It's going to be of a generation and it'll be over. Yeah. And so if you were starting the industry today as a 20 year old, what's going to be available when you're basically leveraging your expertise and making the big bucks, you know, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, it's going to be a part of a revolution. We couldn't even, we couldn't see. I think that's the exciting part. Yeah. We can't even predict it. Well, I think that the answer might be just envision craft brew, to be honest with you. (laughs) I think that. Yes. No matter what, no where, no matter where I watch the the show or what thing I'm making, I can always consume some Vision Craft Brew in that uh, in the creation of it. Yes, I mean that's what we're here for. We're help. Yeah, that's what I'm here for to help navigate through the morass that is the current state of things. Well, you know, we're uh, I'm talking to a show creator, creator, and um, we're gonna do a like a show business summit. Uh, we call it show launcher uh, pitch day, but it's a show business summit. If you have an idea of, of a film or a TV show, you want to put that in front of executives, we can get some feedback. We should definitely have some vision craft brew yes. knowledge as part of that process. Because I think a lot of people don't recognize what you bring to the table, which is the understanding of who the audience is, who's, you know, what the market looks like, and really who you should pursue with your idea. Because um, there's a, a lot of innocence in the idea of you're making a product that helps someone else sell their consumer good. So you have to understand what that demographic's like. So yep, we'll get you looped into that. I'm always here. Of course. <laughs> we'll get you out of the wet Philadelphia or wet Pennsylvania. Yeah, please. Well, like, again, Philadelphia is beautiful today, but it's not, I don't know how much longer it'll be until it starts raining again. <laughs> oh yeah, right. We'll get you out, get you over to the West yep. Coast where you can join. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, good to see you, my friend. Um, good to see and, you. Uh, for you subscribers, we appreciate you being part of our conversation today as well. As always, we'd love to hear from you, love to see, see what's going on in your mind. And if you bought an NFT, we want to know about it. If you own a, a board Ape, um, we'd love to see uh, <laughs> what your board Ape looks like. Throw that in your profile picture when you uh, give us a like here. Um, we, are, we do have a couple guests coming up in the next few weeks. We'll be releasing that on LinkedIn. I know that Lydia is working hard to make some of that stuff happen. And... As always, just hit subscribe. You can keep up to date with the information that we have coming on. Keith, always good to see your face. Welcome back to your home. Good to see you. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you again next week.